This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Yo, you caught me too I think I'm dying here, man. Welcome to the 3B Video Deep Cut Podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. <laughs> it was fun. Aw, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's that time again for another bi-weekly podcast with your hosts, Rotten Roger DeMarco and... Evil Dead Inks and Raj, are you willing to play Nancy? One last time. Almost there. Yeah, and speaking of almost there, we are at the tail end of this franchise. Only two more to do? Just one. <laughs> there's <laughs> only one left. I think, but, uh, I think there's two. We'll go with your math on one. Unless unless the final, final episode is covering every single episode of Freddy's Nightmares, which we've teased. I just don't think we're going to do that. Uh, if, 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 and this is not a definite if, this is a, a legitimate if. if, if we do, it will just be a super fucking broad generalization over the series, not under uh, any episodes necessarily any, unless it's yeah any format yeah unless it's uh, the Lori petty one but that's still i mean we might wait till that's actually got physical releases because just like sidekicks we're really hoping that happens sometime soon it's it's going to happen <laughs> but you know uh over the course of this journey i've kind of tiptoed around it and i might have brought it up a few times that this is arguably uh, it's in my top three Elm Street films of all time. This is so good and so different, and Wes was slightly ahead of his time, kind of dipping his toe into that self-referential pool that he dove fully into with uh, Scream a few a few years later. But uh, oh, yeah. isn't this Scream uh, the the like Ground Zero or Patient Zero? Yeah, this is Scream the Template. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but man, this is a different take on Kruger, and I know we've brought it up in previous uh, podcasts, but Kruger was starting to become a silly little mascot, a, a shadow of his, of his former self, especially with the last entry, even though Evil and I both love it. But boy, is he leather pants and angry in this movie. Uh, yeah, this was in leather pants meant badass and not like, <laughs> that's kind of gay. <laughs> like maybe we're going back to part two here. <laughs> yes, there. At least for me, there was a point in time where like leather pants. Oh, that's badass. That's mm-hmm. a bad motherfucker right there. And I was like, now nah, he's going to Don's place. Yeah, super. Uh, yeah, super weird. Did you ever want leather pants? I don't think I ever was uh, a leather pants guy. I did. You know, from 90, 1991-ish for quite a few years, really want a leather jacket because of Terminator 2, but um, I just don't, I'm not a leather jacket guy. I knew I couldn't pull it off, so I never got one. And I still want a good one that fits right, like a fucking Negan-style jacket. You could probably pull that off. I just, <laughs> uh, you know, look like Danny DeVito, <laughs> so... I'm just not tough enough to rock a leather jacket. But uh, speaking of leather-clad what's-a-mahoosits, um, this this whole look for Freddy, 
Boy, it's it's revamped. It's different. Didn't even know it was Freddy when I first saw it. The first time I saw any of this was a the trailer on Man's Best Friend. And I'm like, hey, that looks like the uh, girl from that first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I wonder what this is about. Like, this is weird. Like, it looks kind of like an Elm Street, but nah, it's not. But it's that. not an Elm Street. And then dude pops out and miss me. And I'm like, hmm. Hey, wait a minute. That was Freddy, I think. Go back and look at it again. <laughs> like, I think that's Freddy. New Nightmare. I'm like, this got to be a Freddy movie. They said they were done. <laughs> they lied, man. As long as the money's there, they do not care. You mean the movie lied to me? It, it will fucking keep lying. It'll keep coming. Um, you told me if we destroyed the brain, he'd die. <laughs> I hit the fucking brain. Uh, Return of the Living Dead reference, deep cut. But So where do you rank this Kruger look? I know you and I have uh, kind of talked about it uh, here and there. Uh, I don't think you're as sold on it as I am, but uh, it's definitely not your least favorite look, if I if I remember right. No, I would put it ahead of five and six, so probably one, two, three, four, and and this. But I always it's it's weird. I always think of New Nightmare as being completely kind of outside of the series. Like there's one mm -hmm. through six, and there's like the bonus round is New Nightmare. Yeah. So it's it's on its own, and I don't dislike it I enjoy it but it's just not one I don't even think of it when I think of like I'm in the mood to watch a Nightmare on Elm Street movie I rarely think of putting in New Nightmare it's probably really? probably the least watched wow okay of of the set see for me it's the exact opposite but I do know what you're talking about um because it's it's a it's not a fun movie like all the other entries in Elm Street are pretty fun, you know? Uh, even the scary ones are fun. And this one is scary, but it's a sad movie. It's a, it's a really hard tone to describe. It's so self-referential and hip, but it's also a downer. Boy, is it a downer movie. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, Wes really wanted to take control of the character again and be like, you should not be having a good time. You should be... <laughs> scared of this guy you should be sad for your losses and you know uh you should be terrified to have to square off against this guy i i think he's hiding a he was hiding a very bitter bitter part of him about uh the character being taken in the direction it was and him being kind of shortchanged for most mm -hmm. of the decade between one and seven out of coin so i mean it comes off at like there's a knock on it in Scream about the first one's good, the rest suck, and he talks about it in yep. this one when, you know, when a story gets watered down or you know, character gets overexposed. Is like he's he's veiling that he's like really bitter about this franchise going where it went. Oh yeah, well I mean, short of him and Bob Shea like doing a celebrity boxing thing on fucking like Fox. Oh man, you know what I mean? I don't know who would have won. Who do you think went boxing match? Robert Shea versus Wes Craven. I want to just say Wes Craven, but I think Bob Shea would fight dirty. I do, too. I think Wes would have a lot of pent-up rage, a lot of shit to get out of the basement, so to speak. But I feel, yeah, like Rob Shea would hide, would hide like, fucking 
uh, metal in his gloves, yeah. <laughs> attach razor blades to that shit. He'd be fucking throwing elbows and hitting nut shots in there, like just being the dirtiest boxer on the planet, biting people. He's Mike Tyson. Yeah, and that's a perfect uh, visual for the way that this franchise went. You know, to be honest, like uh, Wes created this character and Bob kind of finagled it out from under him with contracts and and all of these other things and being able to be like, okay, well, you can write a treatment, but we can pass on your treatment. You know what I mean? Like there was all this stuff uh, surrounding the character. He, he lawyer-like utilized him in order to build his business, which to an aspect I can see because he did put up way more money than he even had to get the yeah. first one made. So he kind of like to keep his head above water and not, you know, become a homeless man. He had to do all this <laughs> kind of underhanded shit from part two on to actually make money and to do what he wanted to do. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess after the 10 year kind of mark, he, they kind of made up and retroactively paid Wes, you know, after 10 years of, uh, nothing. <laughs> well, and after 10 years, he got, he's, he's actually got money now. There's actually a studio and people and it's not four fucking people in a truck trunk. Yeah. And I could pull pulling, uh, prints and movies out of the fucking bed of the truck or the trunk yeah mountain of the cannibal gods screening out of the trunk days are done <laughs> yeah and and like you were saying as a result uh this script is very strong right this is wes really having commentary over his baby being taken from him and and kruger being turned into a fucking slapstick cartoon character and really like getting control of the reins and retroactively um fixing everything because like you said it's it's its own thing it's separate yeah. so like if you're a fan of that goof troop kruger you can go down goof troop uh avenue or you can watch one and west craven's new nightmare and you totally uh you know can get a full franchise worth out of two movies yeah and and, and uh we're all assuming you have, have seen this, but if you haven't, a quick quick brief is it's 10 years after the first Elm Street, and this is what happens if Freddy was a real entity and started actually harassing the people who were in A Nightmare on Elm Street. And, yeah, this, we start out with Heather Langenkamp doing an interview on a, a news, like a morning news show, like a talk mm. TV show, which uh, I guess the guy that's doing the interview with her is the same guy that was interviewing uh, Sam Jackson. And confused him for, uh, I can't remember who he confused him with, but a, a different black actor. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sam James was like, oh, we don't all look the same, motherfucker. <laughs> I totally forget who he was, who he confused him for. But uh, they have. And the I was, Allstate, what's in your wallet guy? Oh, fucking Pedro Serrano? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I gosh, I I knew it, and then now I'm on the under the under the gun. I can't think of who it was. He confused under the Ken Sagos yeah. gun, man. Also a black actor. I don't think he confused Ken Sagos with him. It might have been Lawrence Fishburne. No. It might have yeah. been Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, but we have in this moment, uh, Robert England come out as Retro Freddy, mm-hmm. and I was curious uh, uh, what you thought because I I feel he could. Wes could totally could have done a complete retro looking Freddy and it would be 
as effective or imposing as these this revamped Freddy because he does a I mean a fucking awesome like uh, shot of him doing the you're all my children now thing in slow motion oh, yeah. and like it it's probably the first time in most of the 10 years that he actually looks kind of spooky yeah well okay so here's the thing I think he could have used a uh, retro Kruger and everyone would have already you know you're familiar with the look you know everything so people would just accept it but I also think there's this weird um, connotation with the cartoon character that Kruger is so when you see him look that way it's kind of hard to forget the previous entries and to just be like okay one and this are all that matters if he looks like he did when he was being slapsticky because then I feel like people are going to expect him to be slapsticky so I feel like Wes had to show um, Retro Kruger to be like this is that character and then, you know, make Scary Kruger, uh, in quotations, um, way different. Robert England looks way bigger. He looks bulky. The the trench coat with the uh, the stripes inside of it, the leather pants, the boots, the, the new glove, um, to really set it apart. So I think he could have, but I think this is more effective. I, I would have liked to have seen him take the retro look and just with lights and shit and just movement and tweaks uh, really take really take it back. I think it could have been as effective. Here, yeah, I just thought of something because you said that. Like, So if they had done it that way, like we see Kruger um, just use the uh, skin the cat mm. uh, as a reference because, because this film doesn't have a large body count. I think less than <laughs> this franchise doesn't have a large body count, you know. So we don't really see Kruger when the car accident, when Chase dies. So just using Skin the Cat as an example. Um, so you have Retro Kruger, and he looks kind of slapsticky, you know. And then the hospital lights flicker, and then he drops the shoulder because the glove is heavy, and the eyes are, you know, they're that gross witchy eye from Part Two. And then the voice comes. You know what I mean? Like, if you had done it, if you had built that atmosphere to where it, it's like you get the pop when the crowd sees Kruger as Funny Kruger and the crowd goes, yeah. But then it gets dark. Man. You know, like that could w totally work. Like, we kind of get that in this movie with the miss me moment, but. Kind of, but. It uh, we don't get to, we don't, we don't get to, uh soak up that moment we get miss me and then rah, 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 you know what i mean real fast in your face swiping at her i'd i'd really like like how there's a lot of the outtakes and deleted scenes from the first movie like i would really love a whole like slinky like giggling slow moving slinky kind of freddy in this in that mm -hmm. retro look i really think it would have worked i probably would be more into it it might be I don't know. Maybe that's. Maybe I'm just realizing now. Maybe maybe the look. Even though I do dig the look, uh, maybe if I had a retro look and a even more imposing than this one, uh, Freddie under that old banner, maybe it would have been more more in my rotation. Because in my mind, thinking of it, I'm like, man, I want to watch that right now. Well, and spoiler alert for two weeks down the road, you know, that's 
the stuff for us, I think, that works about the new Elm Street. I say new, it was fucking 2010. It's only 12 years ago. Yeah, so not that long ago. Um, but yeah, like, he has the retro look to an extent, but he's gross. And he's, I feel scary. Even though, you know, there's some some shitty stuff in that movie, but we'll get to it. But yeah, like, <laughs> and that's probably why you like that, the remake, or watch the remake more, rather, than you watch Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Because you've got that kind of retro look, but you also get gross Kruger. Yeah, and we also have uh, we we also aside from the look we've abandoned the uh, the traditional glove. Yeah, we start out with and, and man, there's it's right there. Like I really want that kind of old school feel because I love how this movie fucking starts with yeah. the fucking music, the, the boiler room sets. Like it starts like, yes, I'm home. Mm-hmm. And when we start, we have this complete. Terminator looking glove that's it's it's gnarly yeah and I'm curious what do you what would you have preferred if you'd had the full-on that's even in the one of the some of the posters he has the full-on mechanical Terminator hand and it ends up he has this bone looking hand that has five claws on it yeah I was gonna say because that's where it got me as a kid uh, because you would see a full page ad for it in like Fangoria which was the poster or whatever, and the poster, and the VHS cover, it's all that uh, robot hand. Mm-hmm. It's the robot hand, and Kruger looking really kind of creepy on the cover. You go in thinking that's what you're getting, and then they swerve bro you, and then he's got the, you know, Chase was working on the new glove, or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know which I would rather, which I'd prefer, like... As a kid, I like, I love the five-bladed glove thing but mm-hmm. adult me would have been like give me the retro glove or give me this fucking uh, uh, Terminator hand instead See, the Terminator glove to me like it's almost too sleek I guess what I would prefer is more looking like he really like how the glove looks like really kind of like shoddy and homemade yeah kind of thing. homemade instead of looking too clean and sleek so like it came out of OCP <laughs> yeah but if I could go back in time the, what I would just change is, I would just change the marketing. I would put the the bone hand, the real glove, on the poster art. Which I guess it's not much of a glove. It's just, that's the demon's, like... Hand? Hand, yeah. Because that's... Uh, spoiler, I guess. But, yeah, this is not Freddy Freddy. It's just a demon that is as old as time that just likes the story of Fred Krueger and just adopted his look and persona, more or less. Yeah, essentially. Um, so I guess that's demon boy, hand and demon face. Like it's a not a burnt head. It's a like a split skin kind of a look. Yeah, and somehow, some way, which this is just the magic of filmmaking, and obviously um, the talent of the director of photography. But you know, we've talked Who about who did it. the DOP? Was that the Jock Hayden come back for that? It, it might have been. I I don't have the the. Uh, character or the crew list in front of me but uh, I'm bringing that shit up wh- whoever did it and with Wes Craven's vision Mark Irwin was the cinemat- cinematographer there you go but made Robert England seem six foot six like Robert <laughs> England seems so big in this movie and 
We've talked about it before in previous entries. Robert's not a big guy. Kruger no. is not necessarily ever large and imposing unless he's Super Freddy, which comes across kind of chunky. So uh, in this movie, you know, the trench coat, this is one aspect where layers works. Like, I'm not a jacket Jason guy. We talked about that before. But <laughs> but Jason's already a big guy. When you're a little guy, you had layers, you know, look bigger. Good old jacket Kruger, man. It's It's different and... Although it's something we've kind of seen. Like, there's publicity shots for part three and four where he's got a jacket on. It's not mm-hmm. not his normal wears. Like, in four, I think it's like an Indiana Jones-looking jacket, leather jacket. And in right. three, he's got like a... The so-1987 of the time, like a long trench coat, but it's got it's like the interwoven black, white, and gray oh, material. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's weird-looking. So-1987, <laughs> like, oh. Perfect. Like, it's not something Freddy Krueger you would think would wear, but only in 1987, Freddy would be like, yeah, I'm going to wear that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to bring him up. We got to talk about uh, child star Miko Hughes, who um, is no stranger to horror. There's been a ton of stuff, you know, Pet Cemetery, Kindergarten Cop, blah, blah. You know, Kindergarten Cop's not horror, but you know what I'm saying? Isn't that weird to be like a, a insane horror icon before you're fucking 20? Yeah, it really is. And we got to talk about, I mean, he's a young kid. I, he was probably nine when he did this movie, at, at best. Like, he's a young kid. And uh, boy, does he act his ass off. And most of the scenes with him are the scariest thing in this movie. Like, they bother me on a, on a weird, subconscious, <laughs> different level. Um, because I have a son who has night terrors and sleepwalks. So now as an adult, I'm like, you're waiting for him to be down in the fucking kitchen, making a a knife, knife hand out of the fucking, uh, echo steak knives and duct tape. Yeah. Uh, we're probably not far off from that, but (laughs) man, I tell you, like as a kid watching this movie, I was, uh, I weird. Like I was scared of Freddie. But this movie hit on a weird subconscious level for me when Chase dies. I, I, you know, at this point in time in my life, I had kind of suffered my first real um, death in my in my family, and um, I had another family member who was sick and kind of on their way out when this movie came out, and so this movie handles death differently than other entries in the franchise this i mean death is 100 percent permanent and scary in this movie oh I'll, i can fine point that the probably a, a definite big reason i don't watch this movie a whole lot is there's a scene that's the most heartbreaking hard to watch scene for me and it was from jump street and i thought it then and i think it, tenfold more today but it's after chase dies and it's just mm. Heather sleeping, trying to sleep in the bed. And I just totally get that that feeling of like it's a big bed and she's on her own. And just that laying yeah. there thinking of like I, there should be two of us in here and I'm in here on my own. And that kind of lost what am I, what do you do next kind of feeling. 
Like, it's really fucking strong and powerful in that moment. And it's nothing said or done. And I don't even know if it's anything necessarily. I've never asked uh, Heather Langenkamp about it. I might next time I have, have a chance to meet her. Like, how just really powerful that scene is without doing really anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the power of the visuals in this movie, which goes back to the DP and goes back to... That goes back to Wes. Wes loves yeah. a broken home. He is... Oh, boy. He had a broken home life, and he puts that shit in, I think, damn near every movie, if not every movie he's done. Oh, yeah. There's no happy families anywhere. No, it's, it's definitely there, um, and Wes really plays into that. But this, yeah, this whole movie, it's got like a like a cloud of sadness all around it. Um, despite the fact that it is, it's expertly made and it's, it's such a good movie, but I mean, you go back and you look at the stuff with the, the earthquake footage, like (laughs) that's in the script, Yeah. but it, it, but it's this weird, like in the movie, his script is becoming reality. And in reality, his script was becoming reality. Like, he's writing about earthquakes, and then fucking L.A. Yeah, the North crumbles. Ridge quake, like a 7.0 quake hit. So they sent out a second unit film crew to just go get footage, because it's like, we'll never get this kind of shot. Shots like this again, because it was legitimately happening at the time. As a result, like, the overall feel of the movie is very heavy. Because, like you said, uh, with that being in the script and it not actually happening... You know, you're you're building miniatures or whatever, and it's not the same mm-hmm. as a real uh, destruction, interstate collapsing catastrophe, yeah. tragedy. Something we're unfortunately way more familiar with in this day and age than we were in probably '94. In '94, like a North the North Ridge quake would have been like the big tragedy for at least a couple of years. Oh, now yeah. that shit's yeah. like flavor of the fucking hour. Yep. Yeah, dude. Because. Uh, <laughs> We're going to hell in a handbasket real quick. It's only getting faster, man. It's only getting faster. Yeah. So that's why you listen to the Deep Cut podcast to escape, and then we bring it up here too. Yeah, and then we we ruin your day. We ruin your drive. You're probably driving past some fucking <laughs> earthquake damage right now, like these fucking idiots. Okay, so <laughs> in in along a line with that about Wes writing about the earthquake stuff and legitimately happening, uh, another thing I know that was in initial script and we both know the story and have seen the uh, illustrations of it would have been great to tag team with that retro Freddy that I would want to see the dark you know slinky Freddy where we're just talking about what if we were to have instead of Wes playing how he plays himself we get the shots of him with his eyelids cut off and he's fucking feverishly writing as uh, Michael Berryman is driving him in his fucking unmarked van all around Hollywood trying to keep away from Freddy. That would change the tone dr- drastically. I thought you were going to bring up the fucking Freddy mobile on the interstate. And oh I was like, gosh. no, 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 no. That's a fucking, that's a Hasbro toy. That's not a fucking thing that belongs in a movie. I mean, that is, but I don't know if that would have been any more or less like goofy looking than a, a lineup of like 40 Freddies, which are clearly like really kind of stunt dudes, stunt dudes wearing masks that are equivalent to the one that I bought back in the day. That's now in your collection, the new nightmare mask. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what the fuck is the deal of Miko Hughes wanting to cross the highway? He is just destined to be hit by trucks and movies. He's, he's got to cross that highway. Cause, uh, 
He wants to go home, which uh, Nancy or Heather tells him is but, right across the freeway. Right across that highway filled with Orinco trucks that are <laughs> listening to yeah. listening to the Ramones looking to kill you. Yeah, fucking real life Frogger going on. <laughs> um, which, again, one of our all-time absolute favorite effects. Anytime you can do anything in camera... You're gonna you're gonna make me and evil very happy, and this movie uh, pulls out all the stops, very Terminator 2 esque, with its uh, hey, let's use rear projection to make it look like people are on the highway. Uh, um, in 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 ultra high definition, you can kind of tell that I need to. Re- it's a. I'm gonna rewatch the Blu-ray and to really look at that scene closer. I need every time I sit, I, I see like the bits of it. I want to say I'm going to do that, and I haven't done it to see if I can tell like the difference that that's a projection screen that when Heather's ducking underneath the fucking truck, which I love her telling a story like she had to do that duck so many times that <laughs> she was as sore as shit the next oh, day. Oh, I bet I can feel you know. it now. <laughs> like that's probably more painful than getting hit by a fucking car on the highway <laughs> at full speed, <laughs> which she gets up from, by the way. Yes, she does. <laughs> But yeah, so there's a lot of rear projection in this movie, um, and I think Craven like totally got his uh, idea to do that from Cameron because T2 uh, is notorious for the rear projection during the uh, you know truck chasing John Connor on the motorcycle and uh, the the final battle when they're in the little truck. And Schwarzenegger like the, goes from the little... Like the planter's truck to the 18-wheeler uh, the yeah. carrying nitroglycerin. But all that is standing absolutely still, and that's rear, and it's gorgeous. And that is the type of stuff when, when we are just like, mind blown. Because, again, you watch it as a kid, and man, you're right there. You're like, they're on a highway, that's fucking scary. Uh, and then when you learn how it's done... And how sparsely they chop it in in the edit, man, that is—it's just Chef's kiss all day long. <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty wild. And like we had mentioned earlier, when we get to the skin the cat scene, how do you feel about that? Like we're we're redoing the Tina kill, which crime she's not uh, that Amanda Wiss isn't somewhere in this movie. You would think right. that she's one of the one of the friends that Heather calls because she has no one to call. In her life, apparently, except for people she made this movie with ten years ago, so it's either Robert England or John Saxon. <laughs> uh, but we get the redoing of Amanda Wiss's kill. Only this time, we're seeing we're seeing Freddie do it the whole time. Yeah. Preference. Do you like seeing him or like not seeing him, or would you like seeing the deleted scenes from the first one where you get to see like her perspective of him dragging her? Well, you see, and that's what uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare does: is we cut, we intercut between. Um, Dylan's perspective of seeing her and then to her perspective of not seeing him. Um, and I like, I like the alternating, but if I had to, if I had to choose, I'd rather not see him at all. Like, I think that's way scarier because you as the audience are going, what is he doing? You know, like, I think it's uh, that's that old adage, you know, the Savini thing of like, what you don't see is sometimes scarier because sometimes what you don't see is what you do see, and what you do see is not what you really see. Everything is nothing. 
Yes. <laughs> but it's it's effective. And uh, if you compare those scenes, you, if you had two TVs and you put them side by side and you watched them, um, you're not going to convince me that the first Elm Street, the way that it's handled in that, is scarier. Like, that, that is scarier than the other one. I mean, you're not going to convince me otherwise. And speaking of Julie, the babysitter who gets this Tina death. Oh, um, I think I know where you're going. What, where we have the dropped, apparently midway through filming storyline of she's the one that's supposed she's the one that's supposed to be making these obscene phone calls or responsible mm-hmm. for it. And she's always in the background kind of giving these fucking looks, these side eye yep. looks. And then they I apparently want that. I want that storyline so bad. That she that she is possessed or being puppeteered by, by Freddy, just that, just that she's a I don't I can't remember if she was possessed or puppeteered, but just that her being a part of it in any facet, uh, to me is exciting, and luckily you know for us, Wes and Kevin Williamson kind of got to do that. I mean that, that's exactly what they did with uh, with Scream. Like you've got these characters who are seemingly there to help. Or, or whatever, uh, they have a very friendly demeanor, and then it turns out in the end, the old bait-and-switch. So it's like, you definitely feel like Craven was there with Wes Craven's new nightmare and then scrapped it, but then him and Kevin Williamson somehow were like, you know, this is what I was going to do. And, uh, you know, and thus Scream was born, but like, yeah, I love the idea of Julie being somewhat responsible, if not fully responsible, for a lot of the shit in that movie. Okay, I'm putting a tweak sales pitch to you, along with the Freddy that I would like, the uh, Wes Craven that I would like. What if Julie, and what if we take a little bit of one of those failed Freddy vs. Jason scripts and a little bit of Rosemary's Baby, and we introduce the Fredheads cult? And she's one of the key members of a Fredheads <laughs> cult that's trying to resurrect him in real life because they're they are pissed that the movies have stopped being made. Hmm. Yeah. And there I can are see that. there are reason why Freddy is actually real. You can still keep the aspect that he's a demon disguised as Freddy. So you just mm-hmm. have like demonologist cult people that are just called Fredheads that resurrect a demon that's in the shape of Freddy that are really fans that the series is no longer done. So what are they going to do? They're going to unleash this shit on the real world. Hmm. That's interesting. I thought you were going to be like, and it turns out she's Freddy's daughter. <laughs> or some we just, shit. You I'm just like, break out some more stuff. Like more people are in on it than you would. Like everybody is in on it. Saxon's in on it. Like some yes. race with the devil shit. Yes. yes. And he's totally playing up the like, why are you calling me John? So instead of it actually turning into the fucking movie at the end of end of this, he's just gaslighting her the whole time that she's that Heather's in the movie. Bruh. I did the bruh. <laughs> We're fucking on to something now. Let me yeah. tell you. That that is different. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, we're copywriting all of this to make our right. We're making the next, you know, we say we're not making fan films. We're making the ultimate real new nightmare. Man, that's really intriguing. Uh, obviously different from what we got because the movie does, you know, that whole subplot with Julie gone. The, the Wes Craven, he, he changed himself to being, 
more true to life Wes Craven instead of the, you know, uh, feverishly typing away and trying to beat this script and stay alive. Living in a fucking mansion with a pool three yard, right. three miles long. I like that he's like, that's not what my house looks like at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, bullshit. We know Deadly Friend paid for that house. Right. Uh, well, maybe those, maybe Bob Shea's residuals hooked him up. Uh, I can't even. I can't can't even imagine what a residual check for almost a decade of Freddie merchandise and money would bring in. Oh my god! From 1984 to 1994, shit. Bank. Even half that time frame, I could leave my car at the red light today. <laughs> so, uh, it's it's kind of funny that Bob Shea in previous entries, always kind of found a way to shoehorn himself into the I love movie. that he's in so many of these movies. Right. Well, and then it's kind of funny that Wes, when he took over and was like, I'm making Wes Craven's new nightmare, but you have to play yourself. That's kind of, I feel like Wes was really proud of himself when he like came up with you. I could just imagine him in his apartment or house or whatever, like, and I'm going to have Bob Shea play his fucking self. Like, <laughs> and have him say, someone answer the goddamn phone. All right. Risotto con tartufi. It's fantastico. <laughs> In his fucking office, just adorned with all this Freddy merchandise, which I just wanted all of that when I was a kid. But we have... Those pop art posters. Oh, gosh. So we have Robert Shea in, the, in, the, in Don's place in part two. We have him as a near suicidal looking teacher in part four mm -hmm. we have him as the ticket booth taker in freddy's dead we have him playing himself here and we have him playing in a hot fucking flash of a scene him as a principal i'm guessing in freddy versus jason which mm -hmm. is your favorite bob shea role in the nightmare series gay bar bob shea gay bar bob shea I, yeah, all day long. I fucking love him in part four, man. <laughs> that is a dude who you know has a, has a, like a hidden bottom drawer in his desk that's full of whiskey. <laughs> and he's just, he's pulling a Ted. He's on the fucking roof of that school every day. being like, just take your time, Teddy. One step's all it takes. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's very like on the verge of suicide in part four. <laughs> He is sad sack dead as this high school teacher. If you got to give a brown panty award to anybody in this film, because we technically, I mean, Chuck and Terry die. That's who I give it to. Chuck and Terry? Okay, I was going to say, because and there's technically, it... what, four victims in this movie? Chuck, Terry, uh, uh, Chase, and uh, the babysitter. Yeah. I just fucking blanked to Julie. Julie. Yeah, I gave it to Chuck and Terry because they're killed in a nightmare sequence in the beginning of this film. We never see them in the real world, ever. And then we get a throwaway scene where they're on the news that their bodies were found in a fucking vacant field. I'm like, so what the fuck happened with these guys? I felt, I, I felt so bad. What happened to Chuck and Terry? That's an excellent brown panty award. I will say this. Um, as a kid, and still to this day, to this, to day, this day, the... The sound that Heather Langenkamp's TV makes when it keeps turning on that, you know, that yeah. noise that it makes. Uh, all and that's a real noise. Oh CRT yeah, CRT TVs. Our make. TV, both uh, both of us, I'm sure, had TVs that made that noise. That noise kind of scares me. The way that it's like only after this movie. That noise never bothered me until this movie. 
But the way, I don't know what it is about it in this movie, the way that noise happens, it's almost like it's part of the score. Yeah. And also the fact that the TV keeps fucking turning on, that is a, that's a different level of scary in this movie that has absolutely nothing to do with Freddy, but Freddy's power. And uh, it always bothered me as a kid. When electronics just fucking... Yeah, apparently Heather Work out of nowhere. Yeah, apparently Heather Lane can buy her appliances and electronics from the same place Clue Gulliger does. <laughs> right. Yeah, this damn thing wasn't even plugged in. Yeah, goddamn cherry bomb. No, uh, we just needed that TV that's to, the... to catch fire. <laughs> Good lord! If I get to give a brown panty award, uh, it's got to go to Chase for me because. Uh, you know, standard standard uh, horror movie thing is you always you meet this significant other, um, and they're fucking wonderful. They're like perfect. They're the most perfect person on the planet, and then that means they have they to get die. fucking they get killed for you know no good reason really. And Chase is fucking on point in this movie. He's a, a Despite the fact that he's hiding that he's working on a Freddy movie, that's, which I'm sure he was just waiting for the perfect time to tell her. I mean that. I mean, come on, that's pretty shitty to be like. If you're, you think that's shitty? All right, yeah, I, yes, and I will sell it to you that it is shitty. That he is already in pre-production on this movie. They are. They have already uh, sculpted and yeah, sculpted. They have a. a Model design, they are way into already. They are making this movie. You think you might have mentioned something that you're married to the star of the first Elm Street and is supposed to be the star of this movie. Well, so he does, you know, and you could, I feel like there had been subtle hints prior to the way this movie starts because, uh, you know, he's like, you got to get back on the horse sometime. Like he's, He's kind of like ushering her into yeah, but this, being okay with being in a horror film. But this comes he after. Knows, this is after the fact that they're they started getting obscene phone calls again. So he has true. to know that, like, oh, this is really kind of torturing the wife. You know, what might make this better doing another one of these movies to probably instigate this guy more. All right, I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but uh, <laughs> I still I still like Chase, and I like I, Chase I too. Like... But I was like, re- but recently I, I've I've come under the realization of like, oh, Chase is kind of a fuck. Yeah, that's really not that's really not nice. Now that you put it that way, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I mean, he he had to know that Bob. Okay, okay, so let's assume he. Okay, never mind. Scratch that. Let's let's assume. <laughs> He has no idea that of anything in the script because he's basically he's getting props to build. He's not reading the script. Um, so let's say he has no idea that Heather is going to be involved in this film whatsoever. It's just an effects gig for him. I mean, maybe he mentions, you know... Uh, I'm working on a new horror film, but he doesn't say a Freddy movie because obviously she doesn't know Freddy's coming back until Bob sits her down and says, we're bringing him back and we want you. That's just another weird aspect of the relationship. Like they, like he comes home from work after he's clearly been working on this for a while and neither of them are like, how was your day? What you're working on? Like, does neither, does she not give a fuck what he does for work or does he not give a fuck to tell her what he actually is doing? You know, 
it, boy, we're gonna get stuck on this. What? Yeah. What's what's the dynamic really of this relationship? Are they really as happy as they appear to be in the brief time we see them? Because she is clueless. Heather is clueless as to what he is doing, and is pissed to find out he's working on a new glove. Yeah. He totally he totally blows that off. Like like fuck talking about Chuck and Terry. You tell me you're getting harassing phone calls again while I'm working on this movie that you are a main star of of a very sonic <laughs> kind of limited franchise that you're a crucial role in in the franchise already. Um, and here's the other thing about that, which they kind of you know I mean he's an effects artist so. Is it just assumed that he just goes to work and sculpts and stuff there? I mean, like, it's his effects company. It's like Chase Effects. Yeah. Like he's running right. the show. He should know everything. Yeah. So here's the other. Here's the aspect. What I was getting to is when a production comes to you and says, "Okay, we're doing this. Uh, give us some spec ideas." Like he's going to be sketching. He's going to be sketching new gloves. Like because you're not. Yeah. You don't just sculpt. And, and then waste all that time sculpting and then whoever be like, I don't really like that, start over. You know, I mean, that's a waste of time. Whereas drawing something, you know, then the director or whatever can look at it and go, yeah, <laughs> Just that's, use the eraser, you know. get rid of all the numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, they drive you crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, too late. <laughs> there should be a tra- there should be a trash can in his office full of crumpled up papers of this design that she should be picking yeah. up pissed off that he's not doing the trash and seen this shit. There you go. That's a good that would be a perfect way to handle it is like she finds like his sketches and shit like a whole like note bat notebook. New Kruger looks. Yes. New, oh. Yeah. Come on. Why didn't we production we, uh, books we, just filled we with should have the explored that. Like the exorcist shit of like how they got uh, Linda Blair looking the way she looks for new Robert look. And the he's fucking yep. bo- lying to her as well. Yeah, why didn't we do That's that? why he's all of a sudden not answering the phone calls because he's going back and filming. becoming... Yeah, he's going into filming. Uh, Man, dude, okay. Like, we're on to something. Or if you go with the Rosemary's Baby aspect, is he's completely oblivious and he's fucking sacrificed. And his body is inhabited by the demon. Yes. And that's how you get the morphing Uh, between the demon and Freddy is it's actually Robert mm -hmm. England's body, but he's being, um, uh, being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Puppeteered? Puppeteered, but avatared. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Speaking of Robert England in this movie, I want to ask you a question. (laughs) I think I've talked to you about this before, but I don't know if I'm alone in my thought process with this, but when I was a kid and... If you can remember the very first time you saw this movie, mm. and the and the movie's unfolding before your eyes, and you have no idea what's coming, in my brain, I had sort of invented this sequence where Demon Freddy would kill Robert England, like they would clash. That I don't know why we didn't get that. Like that should be like. Maybe just the technology wasn't there to really kind of portray that looking. Fuck, man! Put any stunt. Well, not any stunt man because we saw. What I mean, we in part yeah, we've two, seen but... what happens when we try to put a stunt guy trying to play Freddy. It doesn't doesn't work. Uh, you would have, and it's not like you can do like some double impact shit with two Van Dams. Is this light or really dark? I mean, you got to have one guy that looks like Robert England, so it has to be Robert England, more or right. less. And you got to have somebody that looks like Freddy and acts like Freddy, which is not doable by anybody else. But if you're doing over shoulder over shoulder, you could but yeah, that's... shimp shimp Robert England or shimp Kruger 
because you're showing the back of his head. Yeah. And then when you got the camera over Robert England's shoulder, you can shimp Robert England with another short balding guy I mean, and that, have crew have Robert England be in the Kruger makeup. You can. It but, would be a bitch to film. Yeah, like that would be it's it'd be a pain in the ass to film, and it's super limiting on what you're able to show. Like it's gonna be more like a. Uh, like a Transformers fight, then it would be like, mm-hmm. oh, we can't really see what the hell's going on kind of thing. But, I mean, right. nowadays we could totally get that, and it would look, shit, now we have LeBron James talking to younger LeBron James in commercials. So oh, yeah. nowadays we could have the total Robert England versus Freddy Krueger fight, and it would be awesome. You, when you watched this movie, did you think that something like that was going to happen? I Yeah, I thought something would happen, and then I was like, he just disappeared. Okay. Yeah, because, like, I invented that in my head. I'm like, that's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, John Saxon's going to have to face the fact that Freddy's real. I didn't think John Saxon would, but I thought for sure because Robert's painting that that painting, which, sidebar, if the Scream Factory ever releases copies of this movie, I want his painting to be a steel book. Oh, God, yes. Um, but, no, like, the, well, the way the movie unfolds, especially the scene you were talking about earlier where it's like, why are you calling me? <laughs> why are you calling me John? <laughs> yeah, why are you calling me John, Nancy? Um, at that point in the movie, when I was watching it for the first time, I thought, oh, God, Freddy's in the house, and John Saxon's going to have to, you know. I, I was just already seeing, like, John Saxon shooting the demon that is Freddy Krueger, and then John Saxon dying. Like, there was all these things in my head, like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is like, and don't get me wrong. The final product that we get, the movie that is Wes Craven's new nightmare. Fucking amazing. It's a masterpiece, but yeah. we just can't help but wonder. Yeah. 1993 Roger was going, Oh man, what if Robert England fights Freddie? What if, you know, what if, uh, uh, Garcia <laughs> and everybody gets fucking killed? Why doesn't Garcia come back and he's lost the car keys? <laughs> Yeah, and Rod Lane and everybody like. But why? we do get Sue Garcia. He gets a. He's one of the two like Elm Street alum cameos at Chase's funeral. Is he's there and Tuesday nights there, which I don't know why Tuesday nights there. She's in part four, which if you're gonna get anyone from part four, it'd be Brooke Thice. Uh, yeah, because she was in the show Just the Ten of Us with Heather Langenkamp. But Tuesday nights there for an unknown reason, and apparently yeah, Wes wanted Johnny Depp to be there, but he was too fucking timid to ask him. Apparently, because he, he says he watched all the movies before he decided to start writing for a new Nightmare. But I'm not sure if he did wholeheartedly, because if he'd seen that Johnny Depp was in the last movie, like, well, there's no way he wouldn't say no to be doing this one. Yeah, because he likes Wes. Yeah, like, yeah. He, did, he did Freddy's Dead in, in a fucking drug PSA dream sequence. He will come back <laughs> for new Nightmare, Wes. For sure. Go ask him. But he was too big of a star. Which, I mean, in 94, Johnny Depp was not a like a huge star. He was like... No, he wasn't. Gilbert Grape was like a big movie for him then, which is big, but not not that big. Yeah. Not unreachable big for Wes Craven Horror Master. We're already like 51 minutes into the podcast. So? But we, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We got to talk about two, two aspects. Two. Uh, one being the matte painting used at the end, which is, that one's a little rough eh. for the transition to the dream dream world or wherever. I would have totally, I mean, I get it for, like, being an ancient evil. Like, it looks like Rome, like a nightmare Rome. 
but I would have mm-hmm. really, again, going back to the my, in my my brain's concept of New Nightmare, I would have loved uh, either Nancy's house, the Elm Street house, her actual house, boiler room, or the boiler room. Yes, should be the boiler. Any room. Any of those yeah. three locations would have been fine. This is kind of the equivalent of the ancient Rome boiler room, um, <sighs> and the other sequence that is always stuck out to me and it is still pretty creepy especially more so in that uh, fan cut thing that you have <laughs> the dark nightmare the dark nightmare uh, fan cut if you guys can find this on on the interwebs it's, it's just a free download uh, and it's a re-edited version of Wes Craven's new nightmare with a lot less Freddy which, <laughs> almost no Freddy <laughs> yeah which most people would be like well I don't want to watch that but I promise you boy it's effective. Yeah, we went into it blind. Roger and I watched this blind because uh, I got it from a buddy of mine. I think Liquid Pig uh, hooked me up with it because he's like, have you ever seen this? And I'm like, no, but I'll, we'll check it out. And we watched it together and like, there's no Freddy in this. But I was like, we just kept like, this is interesting. This is a different aspect. It's really good. But the sequence I'm speaking of is uh, Chase's funeral. And boy, that's a weird level of nightmare fuel. Uh, again, I talked about oh, it when yeah. we were talking about like Elm Street Four. Like you kind of always daydream that the person that has passed on is just going to open their eyes and be like, "Hey, fucking, I was just fucking around. Let's go home." <laughs> well, we get it in this movie, but with blood dripping from the eyes. Oh, it is. And the music, there's the, some the music. Some... But again, I'm crediting Heather Langenkamp because she makes some fucking sounds that are. I mean, I feel very appropriate where she's when he's just yeah. falling dead weight on her. Stay with me, Heather. Oh, dude, so effective. Um, and that whole like just seeing his claw going down the like ruffled uh, uh, <laughs> coffin interior the, the or whatever shirt looking material. Yeah, it's all weird, weird looking, but like it's lit creepy there's some fog going on some sound design taylor's like a kind of a yeah sound going on and he and going back to what you were saying earlier about like a giggly more creepy freddy (laughs) and that's in that sequence he does have a little giggle and it goes very very much elm street one yeah in that aspect and it's fucking perfect yeah and here's where it's different in the the uh, official release compared to that fan cut. In the official release, we get to see Freddy pulling Dylan down for a whole hot, hot like two seconds. Yeah, we get, and it's it's really brightly lit. Yeah, so it's like, mm, but it's brightly lit. Weird. But I mean, because it's so short and so stark, it still gets you. Like the first yeah. time, it's still like, ooh, that that is one of two sequences that I remember to this day. Uh, when I got to see this at the theater, getting an audience reaction was that first shot of Freddy, and then at the end when he pops up behind the grate and goes, "Hey," and oh yeah, spits out his uh snake tongue, spits out his laffy taffy tongue. Yeah, which um, that sequence uh, has always really bothered my wife. Every time we watch this movie, she's like, she's like, "Is this the one with the tongue?" Like the <laughs> tongue scares her. It's gross and slimy and like. That's she one of, just, that's one of has Heather's f- photos on her table for autographs. Is yep. that fucking tongue snake? I think that's the one my wife got signed. I, that's one I have signed. One of many I have signed. But that's one I had signed so we could get her autograph transferred to get tattooed on. Because uh, for whatever reason, that really 
grosses my wife out, and uh, it's fun to kind of watch my wife squirm every time that sequence happens. But uh, speaking of that sequence... I, I was going to ask you something about that sequence, but go ahead. Oh, we got to talk about uh, Miko Yu's... There's a, there's a shot of Miko Yu's running away from Freddy, and when they were filming, <laughs> uh, Miko Yu's wasn't... Freddy wasn't supposed to be there, so Miko was just supposed to like run up these steps and hear Freddy or whatever and then turn around and run back. So Robert being Robert was like... You want me to turn it up? Yeah, I'm going to turn it up and I'm going to be there. And so Wes was like, okay. (laughs) And so the look of fucking pure, unadulterated terror on this (laughs) child's face is pure gold. Matches Feldman and Nightmare and Friday 4. Oh, God, yeah, when fucking uh, Ted White bursts through the... <laughs> so good. Okay, so the, I was going to ask you something about that, uh, the the snake tongue sequence. Okay. Curious if it, if it ever uh, bothered you uh, in a technical aspect, because it did even for me the first time I seen it. Uh, we get... Shots of the tongue going all around Heather, like completely boa constricting, like under her shirt, all around her head, around her torso, like it's just encompassing her. And then we cut away to Miko Hughes running up, stabbing the tongue. And then when you cut back to it being on Heather, it's just wrapped around her head. Like it's not around her torso or anything. It's just like three layers wrapped around her head. I'm like, that's not how it looked a second ago. Mm, no, I guess I never really um, noticed that continuity error, so... <laughs> Uh, it's not as... Now I'm going to. Now it's going to be super fucking glaring for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh... you're, hey, well, you're welcome. Just like I ruined Nightmare 3 when uh, and the other snake sequence. When, yeah, when Patricia Arquette's stunt devil does the arms crossed, wrestling, body slam, training, hits the to ground. Not like break oh. her fucking shoulder blades Yeah, or not to fucking bust your uh, shoulder blades out when you hit the fucking ground at 10 feet up in the air, <laughs> flat back. Like, that's That's bump training right there. Dude, uh, so speaking of other, like, really good sequences in this film, again, pretty much any time Kruger's on screen, it's solid. But when uh, when Nancy is kind of, or Heather is kind of now you're, turning now into you, Now you're Nancy, doing it. Now you're John Saxinger. We're yeah. gaslighting. When Heather starts turning into Nancy, which is giving Freddy the power... Uh, and he comes out of the bed in Dylan's room, mm-hmm. and he's like, just like, specifically, which they used in the trailer, and I think the soundtrack commercial, the silhouette shot of his uh, shadow on the wall. Oh, his Nosferatu moment. Oh my god, that it is, yeah, totally Nosferatu. Good, good call. Like, it's so iconic and scary. And the whole thing with him, like, peeling the sheet open, which is always, like, rubber. Yeah. It's so weird, like, a stretchy, like, rubber thing. Looks like pancake, like a pancake batter or pizza dough. <laughs> yeah. And then him, like, stepping on the model airplane. That's always uh, a weird little thing that, like, bothered me as a kid. Is like that and, like, when the Terminator runs over the toy car on the road. Like, destroy, destroying little things of youth, I guess, cuts <laughs> to the inner child core of me. 
You're like, why? He could have stepped anywhere, but he stepped on that <laughs> plane. What a meanie. <laughs> yeah. Mean. Or Marvit to step on. I'm going to kill that kid. <laughs> <laughs> Micro machines. Uh, <laughs> now we're making a very different Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Oh, my God. Imagine Miko Yu's movie <laughs> trapping the shit out of his house and Kruger just paint cans to the face and shit. But it's like it's like that that other, that Christmas horror movie. I forget the title of it. Where we actually see the paint can thing done for real, and just better watch out. Better watch out! Just fucking takes that dude's face off. Yeah, <laughs> like oh Jesus, that re- he's completely remodeled Home Alone for me now. Now it's a horror movie for sure. So, also speaking of uh, Scream, I guess uh, we didn't bring him up, and I forget the actor's name, but hmm. we we talked about after Chase dies. So. This, to me, is one of the, the roughest sequences is when Heather has to go identify the body. She doesn't have to, but she does. You know, she goes because she she wants to see that he is gone. And the morgue attendant that's like... Uh, w. You know, Earl Brown? Yeah, he is Kenny, the cameraman, from Scream. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's just kind of got this little throwaway role as this... Uh, morgue attendant. Which they just let anyone walk into, by the way. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, you can just stroll into a morgue while people are eating sandwiches that is, and cutting It up. is fucking blood-curdling and just blood-curdling when she's walking through it and you just hear somebody wailing weeping, in the background. Yeah. Not weeping, fucking wailing from a distance and you have no idea why. Yeah. Uh, it's a great sequence. and but It is. He, that actor... Uh, you just said his name. W. Earl Brown. Yeah, and he was also in uh, Deadwood, which is phenomenal in. Never watched but, that. Oh, God. So good. Oh, my, but oh my God. He, uh, you know, it's just kind of a little throwaway role. But that actor has such a, like, softness and and likability about him. I think it's the voice and eyes combination. It's, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely something with the eyes, too, like, and the way like he kind of like holds his jaw slack, like like he's kind of holding back, maybe crying, like you know he's you can tell that he feels for her, like it really comes across that he feels for her. That's why we don't lift the sheet past the face, man. That whole like delivery of that line, hiding and, uh, the arm that's dangling out before she can see oh, it. God. But that whole whole sequence of her looking at Chase and vomiting. Um, again, this is uh, this isn't your traditional ooh boogie boogie Freddy movie. Like he's not saying a bunch of funny shit. We're not having a body fall down a fucking like vaginal looking crater, and then we're like, I don't remember no John or Spencer or John Doe. Yeah, no, we get to go to the morgue and see what death is really like, and it's again, it's just such a fucking heavy movie. Ooh, to tie into that slightly. I know it's. I know this. I know. I know this is a shot you probably fucking love because it so sticks out. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong then, when I mention it. But uh, when Heather gets the knock on the door, they do the Jaws shot. Yes, we do that Roy Scheider Jaws shot of her looking at the door like she knows. And the music. Yeah, no. I, of course, I love that, that out of body kind of experience. Like you're. Your world is about to change. Yeah, your world's about to change. Your physical body is right there, but your your metaphysical body is just... Yep. No, of course I love that. That's uh, 
and you know, it gets overused. A lot of people are like, "Ooh, do the jaws thing." Here's here it is done right. <laughs> yeah, that this is an, a perfect example of what that shot feels like. Like when you watch it in jaws and that's like I think that wasn't the first time it was done, but we always refer to it as the jaws shot. Yeah. Um it's uh it's an emotional shot and it should be used as such and most other people just do it because they're like, "Ooh, do the jaws shot." In this particular instance, doing that it's layered. It's not. Yeah, it makes you feel for Nancy yeah. Im- or Heather immediately. <laughs> it's not a surface trying to just be cool, artsy. Like, wouldn't it be neat to do this shot? Like, I want to be like Sam Raimi kind of shit. It's, oh yeah, it's layered. It's like an onion. Yeah, it's stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff that makes it worthwhile. Absolutely. Well, we've spent an hour and four minutes. Uh, is there anything else you want to cover before we move on to the next segments? Because, dude, we, we can go forever about this movie, to be honest, or any movie in this franchise. I mean, we, I guess we could wrap talking about one. one uh, we talked a little bit about John Saxon, which he didn't have a whole, whole lot, but I, we do like his anything he fucking does. But Oh, God, yeah. How about the, like, the sub-villain in this movie we have not talked about at all? That uh, Wes mm-hmm. wrote uh, after one of the uh, MPAA people, uh, Dr. Hefner. Oh, yeah. Uh, boy, she is... You You want her to die, and unfortunately, she <laughs> never fucking does? Good God. Is Like, and as a kid, uh, you, you know she's bad, right? Like... It's kind of like uh, what's what's the doctor's name in uh, uh, Dream Warriors that she she feels like she was being a good guy, but to the audience she's a bad guy. You know who I'm talking about? Yes. Um, I would need a moment in thought. Be careful, Max. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually trying to replay the fucking scene in my in my mind where uh, Taryn is calling the doctor on the phone at the bar. And mm. saying that uh, Doctor sedated, uh, sedated her. Fuck. But Ken Sagos. But, uh, it's Ken yeah, Sagos. we having a Ken Ken Sagos moment. But <laughs> so, so you know, to the audience, this doctor in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, she's a bad guy. But to her, I feel like she was playing it similar to the Dream Warriors lady. Like, no, I'm a good guy. I'm looking out for this child's well-being, and I'm not necessarily a bad person. And when you take yourself out of it being a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, if you look at this as if we were looking at it as a news story in yeah. real life, we would totally be on our side. Like this mom comes in with a fucking gray streak, being like, "An earthquake just hit here." I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I didn't. She's like, "Yeah." She thinks a character from her fucking movie she did is alive. Like. She's a B-movie actress that's gone crazy. She's going to kill this kid. Ghostbusters 2, commit them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> real fucking quick. Like. Definitely. They should, instead of shooting Miko Hughes with some kind of sedative, they should be like, hey, what's that? And then popping her in the back of the neck with this shit. And she wakes up in a straight jacket. <laughs> Free me, you idiot. I'm your fucking memory. <laughs> I don't think she ever lets him get a good night's sleep. But... <laughs> Yeah, dude. I understand it entirely. Like, I didn't want to wake you. You look so exhausted. But like, yeah, I'm kind of, I I get it. 
Yeah. As an adult, um, you know, when we watch that and your your brain immediately goes to well, Dr. Sims. thinking about the yeah, there you go. Dr. <laughs> Sims to the examination staff. It's exactly what I thought of, too. It's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> we got the same brain. Yes. Man. But, you know, you put yourself in the perspective of a parent now, at least for us, because we are parents. So the first thing we think of uh, isn't about uh, Heather Langenkamp's safety. It's about Miko Yu's safety. So That's a world-changing thing, too, like. Prior to us having kids, like we'd be like, "Fuck that kid, he's gone." <laughs> and like, why would you go in after? Like, why would you go down, take all these sleeping pills, which should kill her from overdose, unless oh God, they're yeah. you know just her just accepting their children's, their children's, yeah, their children's <laughs> sleeping. Pills. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're just fucking tic tacs. Uh, but it's her accepting going into the the world that she's in. But having uh, the kids that you do fall in love with. Uh, then it's easy to be like, oh, I heard him. I'm, I'll go down this fucking tunnel and slide down to see what mm-hmm. the hell is going on. Completely different world-changing view. It's the same thing with, and it's also very subtle, but this is also Heather and Wes Craven doing things right. Is when Dylan won't talk because he's traumatized and... Heather's like desperate. I'll do anything. What do you need? What do you want me to do? I will I will fix this. I'm your mom. I've got your back. And Dylan just looks next to him. And Heather's like, it's Rex. You want Rex. You need Rex. That is it. right here, right now, as a parent, I don't give a fuck if it's three hours away. Like, I'm going. I will be back as fucking fast as possible. Or I'm making a phone call and having John Saxon bring me that fucking dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like, whatever it takes to make this kid feel better, I'm going to do. And it comes across in Heather's performance in this movie and also Mm -hmm. in Wes's writing. Like, again, different animal. Fucking different animal. Different animal. And all things that we would point to that I'm sure we would get snickered at, but things we would point to and be like, no. Because some people want to criticize that she's not a great actress, or she's they're that wrong. She sucks. Like, they're so no, wrong. There's, there's a reason that she is the she is my all time final girl, scream queen, whatever you want to yeah. call her. She is a fucking warrior. She's the blueprint. Yes. There's no like, and uh, I mean it can be it can be up for debate. Someone can have a, a another final girl that they like more. And we'll always be like, well, here's why we think Nancy is. That's just, you know, you and I have always kind of agreed on that. It's science. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just pure it's uh, Bill Nye science. <laughs> it's unarguable. You can't, you can't fight science. So yes, Heather is the ultimate warrior woman. Ultimate warrior. I don't, don't know what voice that was. Do, <laughs> do not degrade Heather Langenkamp's legacy with the, the Ultimate Warrior. Do, do, do you don't besmirch her? You do not. Um, you do not besmirch her, my Ultimate Hall Pass lady. We've spent an hour and ten minutes ish mm. discussing Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and we could probably go another hour and ten minutes. But we're gonna wrap up our general discussion to move on to our next segment. So, what does that mean, Evil? It's mean to do our favorite thing in the world for for Roger here, since he loves his movies so dearly. It's time to make him angry. Uh, time to look at some Amazon one star reviews. Hated it. 
All right, first first on the list, we uh, I got to make sure I read the right ones because I have multiple of these saved for various films. So I got to make sure I'm sticking to new nightmares. But first up, we have on VRAD13. On May 29, 2018, he says, One star, worst of the series. Mm. Like a third grader wrote, this one. Mm. So I say, just that's of, it? Yeah. Oh, that's it. Okay. Uh, this feels false, like false. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. Locked, locked, locked. You ever fucking compare Wes Craven's writing style to a third grader again? I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm come. I'm coming for you. We've seen third grader writing. It's not that good. Trust me. Yeah. No, I used to write stories when I was in third grade, and I was like, he went to the store. He. <laughs> he got attacked by ninjas. It's like that run-on story where it has no point at all, and the end of it is just like, and and that's and it is because I know it is. Yeah, and then he went to bed. The end. What does like, this have to do <laughs> with you needing a yellow crayon again? Don't know. That's that third grade mentality. So next up, we have Johnny Bottom. Johnny Bottom. <laughs> totally sounds like that's a character that would be selling you drugs in a like fifties PSA, like or a fucking Guy Ritchie movie. This is Johnny Bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Bottoms has information that he that you just need to beat the shit out of him to get, <laughs> and it, he will not tell you until you hit him at least three times. He's played by Benicio del Toro <laughs> for some fucking reason. No, 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 no. We can no, 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 no. We can do better, like Paul Giamatti. Oh, Paul Giamatti perfect. is a Johnny Bottoms. Johnny Bottoms, eh? I'm Johnny Bottoms. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just heard Paul Giamatti. That, was, that wasn't the best impression, but I heard it. I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> you heard my cheered me channeling Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Paul Real Giamatti good. is Johnny Bottoms in January 23rd, 2001. He says one star. What was the point of this? Talk about beating a dead horse. How much further can can the Freddy thing get stretched? The idea of a character from the movies becoming real because he was so evil was ludicrous at best. It would be like walking into 7-Eleven and bumping into Darth Vader as you were (laughs) filling up your big gulp. (laughs) Robert England was happy to make this, I'm sure. I mean, after a while, people started calling him Freddy everywhere. What else was he going to do? Make cereal or longer soap commercials. Stick with the original series. This was stupid. Wow. Okay, so this dude likes uh, Dream Child over Wes Craven's new nightmare. I Okay. I'm just, <laughs> I I kept reading, but in my head I was just stuck on Darth Vader at the big gulp machine in a 7-Eleven. <laughs> yes. I know we have a wonderful artist that's done our tape head poster art and is doing the next one. Can we uh, commission him to do a uh, Robert England as Freddy running into Darth Vader at a 7-Eleven big gulp machine? Most likely. Can we get that commissioned oh, wow. and I'll frame it and put it behind me on the set? I'll, I'll put the call in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have him listen to this show when it comes out. Next up is Leatherhead on March 11th, 2001. That's a long time ago. 21 years ago, a Ninja Turtle villain... Why, Wes? Why? <laughs> if you're a big fan of the Nightmare series, forget this one. This is the one that won't be a new Nightmare on Elm Street. This is because of Wes that there won't be a new Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. The plot for this is that the Freddy 
Karkter. Oh, Karkter? C-H-A-R-I-C-T-E-R. Karkter. Was reincarnated into real life. He's stalking Robert England and Heather Langenkamp, the stars from The First Nightmare. They should have at least left it at six or could have... Could have had Alice's son be stalked by Freddy, but no. Wes wanted to screw up the Nightmare series. He he has no capitalization on any of these, but he has exclamation points <laughs> and shit on. I'm like, so I have no idea where to put emphasis until I get to the end of the fucking sentence. <laughs> if you want the entire collection with one L, do not add this to it. I'm sorry. But you have a hard time getting these movies individually. Most of the time, they are sold as entire oh, yeah. sets. It's like Mission to Moscow for Police Academy. Nobody really wants that one yeah. in their series, but it just comes with it. Yeah, you just you just take it. Yep, man. Uh, I guess I'm not surprised, motherfucker. That is the definition of third grade writing, right there. A lot of misspellings. Yeah. Sentences, no, nothing is capitalized, no beginnings of sentences, no names, exclamation points with no capitalizations or emphasis on that, like this. I'm not correcting your English to be popular. I'm doing it because it's right. Here's the, you know, like, that's the prime example of you can't please everybody all the time is uh, Wes taking this over. Obviously, this going in a different direction wasn't going to make certain fans of the franchise happy because they like what they're getting but if you look back at like reviews and like fan uh mail in like fangoria's talking about like uh elm street 5 and freddy's nightmares a lot of it was boy i wish he would be more serious i wish it was you know the way it used to be i wish it was scary again and so wes takes over and makes it scary again and then you've got people going, well, why isn't he being dumb? And why isn't he fucking chasing Alice's son? Like, you just can't make everybody happy. There's always someone who's like, bang, not what I wanted. Well, you can't make, you can't, it's true. You can't make everyone happy all the time, but you can try to make yourself happy all the time. Yep. And failure is just success training. So to round it, our negativity of one star is from Joe Lloyd 85 on September 12 or September 13th, 2012. My mistake. DVD. <sighs> no, but this is all in caps, so bear with me. One star. All right, I'm going to back up. <laughs> I'm going to back up. Really poor film. This worst Freddy film ever made. This Freddy movie was disappointing. Freddy was heartily in he film. This movie is about a camera crew <laughs> making another Freddy movie with all T same characters from the first Freddy films. Freddy Hands comes to life and does all the killings. And it do silly that that away as well. I prefer the horror when they fall to sleep. Lol. It is so bad that tongues come through phone sets. There is a wee boy. <laughs> it the film that becomes obsessed by Freddy. Don't buy this one. The worst one ever. That fucking review was all over the fucking place. All over the place, to say the least. All T same characters from the first Freddy films. Wow. Freddy's hand does all the killings. Well, that's most. That's he does that in all the movies anyway. I don't. Yeah. So technically, he does 
stab someone with his glove in this movie. But uh, it, yeah, know. I I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can reread this. Uh, corrected. This Freddy movie was disappointing. I'm just gonna put my own words. And Freddy was hard hardly in this film, and is a and it's really about a camera crew making another Freddy film with all the characters from the first Freddy films. And Freddy's hand does all the killings. It's pretty silly when his hand comes to life when people are awake. Also, prefer I prefer the horror when they fall asleep. Ha ha ha! It is, <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> come, come, tongues come through the phone, not through as in I threw a baseball through. There is a small child in the film that becomes obsessed with Freddy. Don't buy this movie. It's the worst one ever. Even trying to f- correct everything that's fucked up about it. His tongue doesn't come out of the phone in this movie. Just the, like, spit. There is a there is that deleted scene. Like, it's a hot flash and you miss it. I think it's in uh, Never Sleep Again where uh, Heather's answering the phone and it does turn into the tongue phone for a hot second. I don't recall that. So... It's wow. literally like Maybe a just... second fucking long, and it's somewhere in that four-hour documentary. Well, you know what? I've got a lot of time to kill before the fights tonight, so I might just throw that bad boy on. Just fast-forward all the way to the new Nightmare section. No, 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 no. That's that's something. That's something, uh, 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 you know, someone who would half-ass something would do. I'll watch that whole documentary. That's, that's yeah, if you were just, yeah, but we've seen it enough times. We know shit for, I keep trying to find people that upload it to YouTube just so I can play the audio of it while I'm at work and mm-hmm. listen to it again man well you know what we could do is uh, uh, do you you have it digitally do you own it digitally in any uh, new nightmare no I don't yet I have one through four no no not new nightmare the documentary never sleep again I do have it digitally uh you can record the audio via Audacity, and then you can put it on your phone. Uh, we'll figure well, it out. I'll help you out. We'll time. figure something out. I do that with the movies, too. I try to find someone that's uploaded any of the Nightmare movies, even if it's for a hot minute before someone takes it down. I'm like, Not to watch it, but just click to have the audio playing on YouTube. So I'll just listen to the, I'll listen to the fucking movie while I'm doing my yeah. day job. Yep. I do the same shit, man. Like... I love to just listen to a movie. And it's the same thing with us with when we listen to scores. If I just listen to the score to a movie, I can play the entire movie in my head if I know it well enough. And that's uh, just just something I like to do. But was that your last one-star review? That was. And that's such a fucking wild one-star. I'm actually going to go back and find that one. And I'm actually going to post that in our BTS Patreon section on our Discord. Because holy shit, is it, it's a gem. That is weird. <laughs> but uh, since we're done with the Amazon one-star reviews, Evil, what does that mean? It's time. Well, I mean, he's he, uh, sidebar at the time of this recording, at least. He's more or less seemingly phased out of the out of the world of wrestling. But uh, we can always time travel back to 2001, 2002. Imagine it's January, January 7th, 2002. Imagine you're in Madison Square Garden. You've been waiting nine months after a torn quadricep injury, you just want to see <laughs> the cerebral assassin, Triple H, the King of Kings, make his return to the professional wrestling ring to announce his entry into the Royal Rumble 
2002. It's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. It's all about the game and how you played it. And this is a script. I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> I'm as far as Dylan trying to reach God. Don't know what that means. Whatever that means. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, that's right. It is time to play the game. And if you're asking yourself, what is the game? It's probably because you're new here. And if you're new here, welcome. What you're listening to is the Deep Cut Podcast. So we like to wrap up every single episode with a little thing we call the prop game. What is the prop game exactly? It is a deep cut in and of itself where we pick a prop from the film that we are covering, but it cannot be a super well-known prop. And since we're covering the Elm Street franchise, that means it can't be Freddy's hat, glove, sweater, yada, yada. You gotta pick something that's a deep cut. As Evil would say, go deep or... Go the fuck home. Yes. So, it's time to jump off and play the game and end this (laughs) podcast. Uh, There's plenty of weird stuff in this movie. Plenty... There is, and a lot of them I feel like they're not deep enough cuts, so I guess I can only go uh, scream, you know, three to four inches on the side deep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can only go ski Ulrich deep. <laughs> Whoa. All right. <laughs> yeah, that might be a pretty good, like, crucifix deep is all the way in. Skeet Ulrich deep is, yeah, a mere flesh wound that just might be a little bit too deep, but we're not mm-hmm. totally sure. It might be too deep. You fuck. Give <laughs> <laughs> me the phone, dick. <laughs> so do you want to start or do you want me to go? Uh, I mean, because I'm kind of between two. I'm leaning more towards one, and I don't think they're necessarily super, super deep. So I'll go first, hoping you have a more, uh, a better traditional deep cut. I have faith in you that you, that you do. My <laughs> okay. initial, I was torn. My, my initial thing is like, ooh, I'd like to get John Saxon's uh, badge. That oh, you see. Nice. Or his, you know, his fucking members-only jacket that he puts back mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. But if I really wanted, like, I'm like, what would I really, really, really want? You want that painting. Don't lie. The painting is cool, but honestly, I really want the uh, script that's at the very end that's oh. uh, with Wes's uh, writing in it. Thanks for playing Nancy one last time. Regards, Wes. That's nice. That's a good deep cut, dude. I like that. Yeah, I was like, ooh, that's multi-layered, too. I was like, ah, I gotta go with that. You know, I want that other shit. I was like, ah, I want the script. Very cool. Um, my deep cut <laughs> uh, prop pick, it's a little different. Um, and if you have seen this documentary that we've been speaking of, Never Sleep Again, you probably have heard a story about this prop because they spend some time talking about it. There might be a fan film about it. It's not some well, maybe. Maybe. Um, it's not something subtle. It's not something I can fucking tuck away. Um, but what I want for my prop game is the playground set that Miko used tries to reach God with, uh, because he already got that. That's actually in his own fucking yard. Oh man! But uh, I honestly was like, I thought I going Rex thought I was going yeah Rex. I thought for sure I, was, I would save you for the end because you're like you always have talked about wanting a Rex I, I only thing I keep forgetting is which Rex you 
would take the with the slashes the slashed so wrecks the unslashed wrecks or the wrecks that's been stitched with the red stitching wrecks stitched up i'm gonna get that tattooed on me eventually because uh that that is a multi-layered deep cut of a tattoo but um yeah no it's just the playground set appeals to the child in me um appeals to kind of the sadness the the weird sadness in this movie because um, that's a fucked up scene. We didn't talk about that, but the God no. wouldn't take me. That's, holy Oof. God, that's a fucked up scene. The only way I can kind of watch it and kind of try to be, have levity to it is just like, well, that's a really faulty designed playground equipment thing. It really that's is. That's really a 90s constructed <laughs> playground set when safety was such an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Can we also please talk about, I know mean, we, we brought it up briefly in discussing this film. Briefly. But the goddamn score to this movie, a lot of like, like I call them breathy la-las. I don't know how else to explain. Uh, 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 well, yeah, it's like very Pet cemetery esque Like it's like almost kind like of. a choir of children. Like It's kind of, it has that weird like, like it's, it's got a weird like upbeat to it when you get towards the end credits, which makes oh, yeah, it yeah. And it's very duh, like duh, grand, duh, like it's an orchestra. Duh. Bwah, bwah, bwah. Yeah, but it's, the score in this movie is it's so different. different from previous entries. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, very, very big, very big feeling. Like grand. So, yeah, that's the that's the best way to put it. Grand. Yes. And I just the score that goes along with when he's trying to reach God. I'm getting goosebumps right now, not just because it's cold down here. <laughs> I love it. The, like one lady grabs her kid and they just fucking run away. <laughs> like he's gonna fall on one of my kids. We gotta get out of here. So get I do. Fuck out of here. I chuckle at that too. They're like they're not trying to catch him. Like a mom's really like taking her kid and just hauling ass out of yeah. the <laughs> Fuck your kid. But yeah, uh, I just I I really wanted that prop. I feel. Um, that that whole sequence too is very, it's very like multi-layered and that's a that's a heavy weird conversation that uh, as an adult with children it's inevitable like you you have to have that conversation with your kids at some point and there's no blueprint no everybody's there isn't. different how they take it so there's no right or wrong way to go about it you just have yeah. it's such a going on feel with each individual person plan. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's super uh, relevant, I guess, for who I am now as an adult. And uh, I just think it would be kind of cool, you know, to look out in the backyard and have that playground there. It it totally would be. And, yeah, Miko Hughes knew that then and took it. And sidebar for Miko Hughes, congrats on turning into, like, the fucking heartthrob that he looks to be, like, so many kids that are growing up and just look like shit. Miko Hughes, <laughs> like look, like man, he actually looks pretty fucking good. Was well, super normal. Like yeah. that's one thing. It's a success story uh, because most of the child actors from the '80s and whatnot are tragedies. Really grew up, yeah, to have a lot of drug problems or or. Uh, you know, molestation and things like that. Or nothing else. They just look like giant children and they're trying to grow facial hair. I'm looking at you, kid, from part five. Yeah, you weirdo. You fucking weirdo. (laughs) He does look fucking weird. He might be a sweetheart of a guy, but he looks fucking weird. He looks like a little kid with dirt on his face trying to be an adult. (laughs) Miko Hughes actually grew the fuck up 
and yeah. yeah. And is, uh, you know, from from everything that I've seen, not a bad person. Not a lot of not a lot of headlines on fucking TMZ or run-ins with the law and shit like that. Kid from Pet Cemetery involved. In, uh, you know, if he was ever involved in a fucking car crash, they'd be bringing up that fucking footage oh. from Pet Cemetery <laughs> and New Nightmare to talk about it. Guaranteed. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I don't think there's a more perfect way to end <laughs> this podcast. Uh, Miko Yu's involved in uh, <laughs> what a vehicular homicide. Involving an Orinko truck and trying to cross the freeway. <laughs> drunken accident. Oh, man. So that concludes our Nightmare on Elm Street series, right? We're, we're done? No, we got the uh, remake. Oh, well, we got two weeks. We're redoing Freddy vs. Jason, though, right? Never, ever again. <sighs> I'll... I'll shout to the heavens, hey, Raj, can we can we cover uh, Freddy vs. Jason one more time? And Roger will look back at me and whisper, no. No. We'll see you guys in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>